the close of nom nominations. This week, the federal election is done, and that makes the municipal election really, really real. I'm so tired, Troy. So, so very tired. Well, wake up, put on a cup of coffee, because it's time to inform the electorate. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 148. Usually after the end of an election, you get this reprieve. It's done. We don't have to care about things. But for us, this election has been going on since January, and it continues despite the federal election that sucked out all the air and then released no air when it ended. Let's get into the municipal election. But first, the rapid fire. Caucus is more unified than when they entered the room, said a blood-soaked Jason Kenney holding a nine-inch boar hunting blade. The premier had gone into a Wednesday morning caucus meeting with threats to his leadership, and indeed, if the gargled, panicked screaming from within the room was anything to go on, it was a passionate threat. However, the meeting appeared to be collaborative, with the out-of-breath, wide-eyed Kenny commenting, quote, We just put our heads together, and then I put their heads together, and together, and together, and I just kept bashing until their skulls opened up to the idea that I'm the best leader, end quote. At press time, no one had heard from Leela here. The Edmonton police and TELUS have announced new buy-and-sell exchange zones across the city. The zones offer a safe public space with 24-7 video surveillance for buyers and sellers on online marketplaces to meet up and exchange goods. Both organizations wanted to celebrate the launch by contributing some swag bags for the first 100 users of the new exchange zones. People who show up to buy and sell in the new areas can receive a collection of private health information, catalogued by TELUS Babylon, and from the police service, a thin blue line flag. Last Thursday, Zuri, a zebra at the Edmonton Valley Zoo, delivered a new baby girl. The new zebra is taking well, walking, nursing, and bonding with her mother, and zookeepers are excited about the breeding of an endangered species, with less than 2,000 of the species left alive on the world. Protesters outside, however, were less happy, demanding that the zebra be returned to sanctuary. Zoo officials, however, noted that the baby zebra had been alive for quite nearly eight days and therefore would be too old to be safely transported to sanctuary. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode is brought to you by Yeg Podfest, presented by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's nonfiction festival. Running October 1st through 3rd, Yeg Podfest will be held all online this year, so anyone can tune in to experience it. Events include masterclasses with professional podcasters, panel discussions, feature interviews, and much more. Some of APN's member shows will be there too, so join us for the virtual party from October 1st through 3rd. You can check out the full lineup and get your tickets at yegpodfest.ca. That's Y-E-G podfest.ca. So Mac, with the municipal election underway, we had discussed a little bit between us before the show on exactly how we'd like to talk about the election, because both of us were pretty fearful of the idea of you know, having candidates on to just give them another platform to spout their platitudes at voters. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of them are fearful about coming in on and talking to us and dealing with the wrath of Troy. But ultimately, it's that, you know, we want to inform you, dear listener, the voters about the candidates and about the issues in this election. And 
I don't know if you've listened to any of these online forums lately, but the candidates don't generally tend to say anything of value at those opportunities. So we're going to interpret that for you and help you understand it a little bit better. There's roughly four weeks until the election. So we're going to take a segment off the top of each of the episodes to talk a little bit about a slew of topics. Sounds good. You want to dig into roads and transit then? I had been alerted to a post on Skyrise Edmonton by Cheryl Watson, uh, replying to someone who had had a meeting with her, mm-hmm. basically alleging that she is not supportive of Valley Line West and, you know, Tim Cart Mel 2019 style wants to replace it with BRT. And that threw me for a bit of a loop. I thought we had already had this discussion. So I started digging into mayoral platforms and transportation. And what did you find out? Is everybody supportive of the Valley Line West? The budget for public transportation in the city of Edmonton is like $360 million a year. It is our second largest line item behind the police. It constitutes 10% of our total budget expenditures of the year. To say nothing of the debt servicing we have to do every year, large chunk of which is to build capital projects like LRT. Absolutely. You know, there's a couple billion in Valley Line East to West. So I was shocked when of the mayoral frontrunners, we're not including people like Rick Comrie or Breezy Gregg or Diana Steele in this because, and I am sorry to Mr. Breezy who has reached out to us and invited us to his uh, office to chat. There's something to be said for being a frontrunner. Love you, dude, but sorry. I love you, Breezy. Of the frontrunners, very few of them have anything at all to say about public transportation, and none of them have a dedicated platform plank to public transportation. So let's start with Cheryl Watson. She had this forum post in response to a conversation that a voter had written up. Does she have anything in her platform about transit? No, not not a lick, except, you know, there's a tiny little, little salt lick in her central business neighborhood platform plank, which is all about the downtown. She does say that she wants free LRT in the downtown core. That is something. And in her uh, women friendly city, the making Mm -hmm. the city a safe place for women and girls, you know, she does talk about making public transportation safe for women and girls. That's does not a bus network plan make though. No. Okay. Any any other interesting discoveries in your travels? Briefly going down the list, Michael Oshry, um he broadly is just supportive of our current bus transportation plan. He says he wants to invest in bus rapid transit once the current cycle of development is completed. So, he sounds like he's broadly on board to finish our like 2040 plan to build out the LRT and he wants to electrify the fleet, uh, which was interesting. Kim Cruschel was super interesting because I couldn't find anything on her platform. So I just started using like Google crawler indexing to search her website for mentions of the word LRT or bus or public transportation. There's nothing there. Absolutely nothing on her website about it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, Mike Nickel, we don't need to talk about him. He wants to scrap the Valley Line West because his position is well known. Yeah. Yes. Amarjeet Sohi doesn't have a dedicated platform plank for public transportation, but you know, he sort of does because when you start diving into his other uh, platform planks, especially the one about climate change, he talks about reevaluating the public transport network with an equity lens. So, you know, seniors don't have to walk necessarily so far and making sure that people who are most vulnerable aren't negatively impacted by it and in the same vein reducing transit costs for the same thing and he talks about the need to even accelerate LRT expansion to meet our sustainable climate goals so you know that that does sound like a platform just not 
labeled as one. Right. Okay. So that's really interesting. That's what you found just going to their websites, doing some Google searching, you know, trying to figure out what you could, right? Uh, This is a great example of why I'm so excited about our Taproot survey that you've heard us talk about before, because we do have some questions on the survey about uh, public transit. Uh, We have three, actually. One of them is what should be done about LRT expansion. And we've had responses from uh, many of the candidates. We're well over two-thirds of the candidates. Uh, we have not got Mike Nickel, unfortunately, and we have not got Kim Cushell, but all the other major uh, mayoral candidates that you've mentioned have responded. And interestingly, Michael Oshry answered this question by saying we should pause LRT construction and explore more future-focused technology like autonomous vehicle networks. Uh, and then you had Watson and so he. Uh, saying basically we should continue with the current plan. See, and that's really interesting. And one thing that I love and candidates have complained about about this survey is multiple choice forces candidates into a policy position. They can't hmm and haw their way out of committing to anything. And in this case, Michael Oshry has committed to something contrary to what he said in his platform. Troy jumping in from the edit bay here. A second reading of Oshri's platform, in conjunction with analyzing his taproot response, leads me to believe that he wasn't necessarily lying in either case. I think the correct reading of his platform is he does not support the full 2040 full build-out of the LRT, but he supports finishing our current development cycle, meaning Valley Line West, what we already have under construction. Whether that includes Heritage Valley South, eh, your guess is as good as mine. Back to the show. Which is fascinating. I mean, some candidates have chosen to skip questions on the survey or they've said, I do not have a position on this. But uh, for everyone who has filled it out and done so and tried to make a a policy position clear, uh, it makes it much more useful for the voter, right? Because we can actually have a conversation about this now. That's the the, the question about transit uh, or LRT, I should say. Uh, Another question we had about transit is what is your position on the bus network redesign? Any guesses about where the candidates landed on this? Did you think anyone thought it struck the right balance between frequency and coverage? Not a one. Not a single candidate that has filled out our survey, more than 50 candidates, not a single one said it struck the right balance. Most candidates seem to fall into the, it sacrificed too much coverage to provide more frequency. That's Cheryl Watson, Amarjeet Sohi, Michael Oshry, many of the councillor candidates. And one mayoral candidate, our good friend Breezy, said the city should have taken money from something else to increase frequency and maintain coverage. Broadly, people think that the bus network redesign needs some work, I think. And I think that's not a surprising take, even if that's not necessarily something that they personally believe. I think it's a broadly publicly accepted position. We said we were talking about roads and transit, though, and we've been talking a lot about transit. Uh, There was one question on the survey about expansion of roads. What did the mayoral and councillor candidates have to say about the expansion of our roadway network? Yeah, and we specifically in the context for this question talked about, you know, a couple of examples. So the Yellowhead Trail Freeway conversion and also the Terwilliger Drive expansion, which we've talked about on the show a number of times before. A majority of candidates, I would say, on this question said that they do support these expansions. There were some candidates, none of the mayoral candidates except for Rick Comrie, who said they opposed them primarily on financial grounds. And Breezy said he uh, opposes it uh, primarily on environmental grounds. Cheryl Watson said she does not have a position on this. And Amarjeet Sohi and Michael Oshry uh, both said that they support the expansions. 
we've been sorting people into buckets. And I think there is probably no better question for sorting people into buckets than one has that just has really like binary pigeonhole answers. And that was my favorite question on the survey, which was, what should the residential speed limit be? My favorite question too. The options are 30 kilometers an hour, 40 kilometers an hour, or 50 kilometers an hour. Or you could say that you don't have a position on this issue. This to me is a great question for a couple of reasons. One, it's the simplest of all the answers to understand. Like you just, there's one or the other, you can choose them. But also I feel like this most closely reflects what actually happens when you get elected. You know, when counselors get to council, they have to make a decision. The vote is not what the speed limit should be with all of your preferred nuance and wishful thinking. The vote is, should we make it 40 kilometers an hour or not? Uh, So I love this question because it sort of, I think, is a good training ground for these candidates. Only four candidates that responded to the survey so far have selected 30 kilometers an hour. By far, the largest, you know, uh, selection was 40 kilometers an hour. That's where you'll find most of the council and mayoral candidates. Two mayoral candidates, Cheryl Watson and Breezy, who responded, said they don't have a position on this issue, which is really interesting. I don't know how you can't have a position on this issue. Another part of roads and transit that uh, counselors have to grapple with is active transportation because, you know, bike lanes are on our roadway network. Uh, Other people use our roadway network. If you're on an e-scooter, you have to be on the road in Edmonton inexplicably. And this question, you know, most candidates thought that the city should make their roads more accessible for active transportation. Um, Some thought that the city has enough infrastructure. But option C, the city should make roads less accessible to active transportation. Now, there's not a lot of options on this survey that has only one respondent, but that is one of them. Uh, And Rick Comrie, for mayor, has suggested that the city should make roads less accessible to active transportation. So as a sorting mechanism, if you hate bike lanes, you fill out this survey, good chance you might get matched with Rick Comrie. And I got to say... Mike Nickel is really, really missing out by not participating in the survey because, you know, Rick Comrie's got his vote cornered now. Sorry, Mike. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So before we close on this survey section, um, we've been viewing the candidate responses and we've been, in fact, I took the survey myself to see who it paired me with in my ward. Where can voters go do that? It's all live now. You can check it out at taproot.vote. If you go to taproot.vote slash match, that'll take you to our matching engine where you can answer the same questions that all the candidates did. And uh, you'll get matched up at the end, see how many you agree with, how many uh, are compatible with you or not. And you can find uh, the full list of candidates, all the wards, and you can look at responses by question, by ward, or by candidate. Everything is at taproot.vote. I'll just say it's pretty cool. Think CBC Vote Compass, but instead of plotting you along some axes that you already know where you land, it plots you matched with candidates. And I think I know a lot about the election. I think I follow a lot of candidates. I got some surprising results when I matched into the wards. So go play around with it. Have some fun. One of my favorite pastimes today was to live tweet the mayoral forum. There was a downtown business association forum that was focusing on the downtown core. Most of the mayoral candidates who are front runners were in attendance. Mike Nickel was not present. He was unmasked handing out hot dogs to his supporters at a barbecue that, unlike Amarjeet Sohi, he did not cancel in the wake <laughs> of the fourth wave. Okay. Does that say anything about any of the candidates? I don't know. That's up to 
the listeners as an exercise. Mac, did you watch any of this forum? I did not, Troy. I was busy working on the survey site, so I'm eager to hear what you got out of this forum. Anything of value? You know, honestly, a lot. Okay. Most forums, I don't encourage our listeners to listen to forums because we talked about it off the top. Most times candidates don't say anything of value. Mm -hmm. This forum, surprisingly to me, was a series of self-owns. It was as if candidates had lined up to discount themselves in eyes of voters. So some of the highlights that I think were from this forum was one, every candidate on the stage, except for Amarjeet Sohi, had some sort of take that the city of Edmonton should have been nicer to Jason Kenney. Really? This forum happened now, September 23rd. Fourth wave, leadership review, record number of deaths and active cases in hospitals of COVID-19, and people think we need to be nicer to Jason Kenney? None of them said Jason Kenney by name, but they talked about leadership. And Cheryl Watson, for example, talked about they needed to repair the relationship with the provincial government that has become damaged because our city leaders haven't viewed it as a two-way partnership. And I mean, there have been some unilateral cuts that have come Mm -hmm. not from our side of that partnership. So, you know, that's not not great reading the room. Oshry doubled down on it even further and said that the liberal government hasn't given us our fair per capita share, got his dig in at the feds there. Yeah. But he says, we lost out on so much provincial funding to Calgary because, and I quote here, of political gamesmanship with the mayor's office. He's talking about the mayor's office playing politics and fighting with the province instead of collaborating and getting additional funding. Has he heard anything that Nehed Nenshi, Mayor Nenshi in Calgary has said? It doesn't seem to me like <laughs> Edmonton and Calgary are on different sides of the, the whole situation here. Yeah, I would say that the Calgary mayor has been a lot less collaborative with the provincial government yeah. than our mayor has. No doubt. I was just shocked because because like you said off the top, fourth wave, I don't think be nicer to Jason Kenney is a message that resonates with Edmontonians. No, absolutely not. And I don't think we should be perpetuating this idea that we need to play nice when the province, when it's clear that they have no intention of, you know, making this a two-way partnership and and uh, treating Edmonton and Calgary like the big cities that they are. The other big thing about the mayoral forum, and you know... <laughs> I had said that I was voting for Amarjeet Zoe, and I put my biases out there in the world for everyone to see, because from the start, I thought that Amarjeet Zoe was the most qualified candidate for mayor and critically was the one who least sympathized with Jason Kenney. Mm -hmm. Vindicated, I suppose. But it was shocking to me the difference in preparation that the candidates had for this debate. Candidates like Cheryl Watson, Michael Oshry, Kim Cushell... Rick Comrie was also there, but he's a non-factor. They showed up and you could tell they had rehearsed some of their talking points. Yep. They were like sort of winging it. They had their zingers, but they were just talking on stage. And, you know, they word saladed through, we need to build things on time, on budget. Every candidate said that. Oh, sure. It's so novel. We want to finish construction projects without delays. <laughs> and it's like as if that wasn't going to be their position. Like, Of, of okay. course. But like, On a question about cleanliness downtown, do we need to invest in cleaning up our downtown? Most of the candidates on the board talked about construction projects and making sure that, you know, we don't have a bunch of construction. Amarjee Sohi said, I have a 10-point plan. 
on how I want to achieve this. And then he itemized 10 points. Like he went through a 10 point, very well thought out plan. And he did it in his two minutes. He knew exactly what he was going to say. And he prepped for the question. No other candidate did that. And I think it was very clear that there was only one real mayoral candidate on that stage. Okay, well, your your bias noted on Sohi. Let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, these 10 points, were they actually meaningful points? Like, is there actually 10 things that he can seriously do about this? Or was he just, you know, making it seem like he'd prepared by listing off a bunch of things that don't really aren't really going to make a difference? Two things on that. One, I don't recall all of the 10 points and I have to, f- this is one negative with coming prepared to a forum. It's kind of like the Don Iveson strategy, right? This is where I was going with this. Like Don, when he was campaigning, would kind of bore someone to tears almost because he knows this stuff inside and out and in great detail. And he can talk about it, you know, forever. <laughs> but that's not always the best strategy. I mean, I guess you said so he did it in two minutes. So that's not so bad. I'm wondering if he's trying to sort of channel a little bit of that Don Iveson, I'm the smartest guy in the room and I can prove it energy. I don't think so. And I think it shows because one, so he doesn't give off those vibes. He's a very like everyman fellow. And it, it, it does help that, you know, English isn't his first language. So he's talking slowly. He's talking friendly. He sometimes stammers over his words in ways that you would expect a non-native speaker to do so. Mm-hmm. But he, where Don Iveson, and we've done this, you can put him in a room and he can rattle off every fact and figure till kingdom yeah. come. Yeah. So he read off notes. Like, you know, when okay. he's saying, it's my 10 point plan, he glances down and he looks at his 10 points because he's prepared for this, but he doesn't know it all off by heart. He's Putting in the hard work is what my view of the situation was anyway. Okay, that's fair enough. All of them were like, one of them is just like, you know, the mayor's office will work closer with the Downtown Business Association. That's not an unachievable goal. That's not, I'll end homelessness in 10 years. That's a point that he could do in a month. It's also kind of meaningless. I mean, what more are they going to do? I'm sure the DBA and the mayor's office meet regularly already or could if they wanted to. Like, you know, what, what does that actually accomplish? You know, those are the kind of points where it's like, okay, it sounds good. But like, does that change anything? Pretty sure Don and Punita tweet each other anyway. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, This is this is true enough. But I mean, you know, as much as we're parsing this, it was a candidate forum. I think expecting too much meaning from any of the candidates. That's that's a tall order there, Mac. Fair enough. Okay, so my other question about this is not really about what they said, but about how they said it. Did the candidates treat any one of them, like did the others treat Sohi or Chriselle or anyone, did they treat someone as the front runner? You know how like the other candidates kind of go after them or try to make sure they get to correct their record or, or those kinds of things or, or not really? Not really. Mics were controlled at the um, event. So if you went over time, you got cut off. There was no arguing like in a federal election. Oshri mm-hmm. had a couple zingers like he said i'm not going to name the candidate but he wants to raise your taxes eight percent and everyone knows he's talking about amarjeet sohi yeah um so there was a little bit of that but Oshri also went after mike nickel i think it's sort of just his style totally it was candidates talking at us together not really candidates talking to each other okay uh did you like their closings because i gotta say looking at your twitter thread i think kim kushel has a pretty good closing no she said, she said, quote, I came to Edmonton for love, but I fell in love with Edmonton. I don't know if that's a real quote, Troy, but that's that is a tweeted. real that is a real quote. You know, I came to Edmonton for love. 
but I fell in love with Edmonton and have been here for 28 years. I love that. Isn't that, isn't that a great sort of, you know, little memorable quip that is going to make her look good for candidates or for voters? Yeah, except her entire platform is I am for Edmonton, capital F-O-R. That's the best she's got. And of course, she closed with vote for something. A vote for me is a vote for Edmonton. Thank you. Um, she also said that you. she was the one with the most comprehensive plan. Fact check there. She doesn't even have a plan, much less a comprehensive one. And she did it the earliest. And fact check again there. No. Did what the earliest exactly? <laughs> yeah. Cheryl Watson actually beat her to the punch of coming out with not a plan. Cheryl Watson declared <laughs> earliest with no plan at all. She's got you there. Zingers on the Merrill Forum aside, I- I'm ready to move on because we have some other business that we want to want to breeze through um, before the end of the show, because there was a big event that happened this week, and that was the close of nominations. Yeah, so we know now exactly who is running for council and for school board trustee. There are 11 mayoral candidates, 74 candidates for council, 40 public school board trustee candidates, and eight Catholic school board trustee candidates, six of whom are acclaimed. So I guess what we learned from this is we don't have as crazy a mayoral race as Calgary, where they have like 24 candidates or something, a pretty usual, typical number of council candidates and public school board trustee candidates, and no one wants to run for Catholic school board. I have long since planned on running for the Catholic school board on a platform of abolishing the Catholic school board. But the thing with running for the Catholic school board is legally you have to be splashed with Jesus water by a priest (laughs) and have a note from that priest saying... He commits to being splashed with Jesus water on a regular basis. Yeah. This is a real requirement. You have to be Catholic to run for the Catholic school board and you have to have a priest vouch for you. That's a pretty big barrier for running for public office in a secular society. To say nothing of the fact that it's such a dysfunctional board, I guess. Okay. The notable absence from this, and you and I both thought he might <laughs> show up on it, was Carrie Diot the now no longer MP from Griesbach. He was so worried, Troy, after our last episode when you pointed out that we had this window a couple of days between the two elections and the close, you know, the federal election and the close of nominations. I was refreshing the open data catalog. I was like, Diot's doing this, isn't he? He's going to like back pocket, register to run for council, withdraw if he wins. But he didn't, thankfully. (laughs) And everyone rejoiced. Uh, $600 million to get rid of Diot. That was the exercise in September. I saw so many tweets that were like, worth it. Other federal election news, Ben Henderson, counselor for former Ward 8, lost his election in Edmonton Mill Woods, even with Iveson's endorsement. Uh, He lost to Tim Upple, who walked away with it in the figurative sense. He sat in his home in Ottawa while he won. (laughs) Yes. So I guess not a huge surprise here. I don't know that anybody seriously thought that Iveson's endorsement was going to make a huge difference. I mean, this was Henderson running in a part of the city where he never served as councillor and people didn't know him aside from perhaps his name in the news as a city councillor. So it's kind of like when you parachute somebody in, they have to be something special. There has to be something else going on for it to make a big difference. And I mean, there was a little bit of opportunism in here because, you know, a month before he was nominated as the candidate for Edmonton Woods, he was on this podcast saying, yeah, I don't know what I want to do. You got any leads on a new job? Right, right. (laughs) You know, he found a lead, didn't get through the application process. Right. But Edmonton Center now has a liberal 
representative in Randy Boisno, who formerly represented the board back in 2015 before losing in 2019. Yeah, congratulations to Randy. That was a very, very close race. It was one of the closest ones, certainly in uh, in Alberta that night. I thought it was really interesting. I saw him tweet essentially like, I am humbled and honored to serve as your representative again. I was like, oh, did they call it? Nothing on any of the news sites. He like, called it for himself. And then James Cumming later uh, tweeted, you know, congratulations and uh, and said the same thing. So uh, good on the candidates, I suppose, for not, you know, making it really complicated because it could have been a, you know, recount situation. It was that close. Final note on the federal election, Edmonton Strathcona achieved national recognition in that we are the strongest NDP stronghold in the country with 60% of the vote going to Heather McPherson. Huge. Also huge this week, Calgary is requiring businesses to participate in the restrictions exemption program, thereby turning it into a vaccine passport. Yeah, this is so great. I saw this and I was like, we should do this in Edmonton. So Calgary City Council approved a bylaw on Wednesday, 13 to 1 vote. Only Councillor Jeremy Farkas, who's running for mayor, voted against it. The bylaw basically says that uh, if you are eligible to participate in the province's vaccine passport program, then you must. So previously, businesses could choose whether or not they wanted to do this. If you're a business registered in Calgary now with this bylaw, you must. And a failure to present uh, documents could result in a $500 fine for the individual. And for the business, if they let people in without the required documents, they could also be fined $500. So this is you know, another example of cities taking some leadership where the province won't, and is probably also another example of uh, Mayor Nenshi, you know, digging the twisting the knife a little bit more against the premier. Maybe, but 13 to 1, this doesn't seem like Nenshi unilateralism. This seems like Calgary has recognized that we're in a crisis and that the province is not doing anything at all. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I mean, council in uh, Calgary is typically less unified than they are in Edmonton. Uh, there's quite a number of people who tend to disagree with uh, the mayor. So you're probably right. This is more than just, uh, you know, Nenshi getting people together and leading something here. This is uh, their council basically saying we have no choice. We have to do something. And if the province isn't going to take action, we're going to. But this isn't the Calgary City Council podcast. This is the Edmonton City Council podcast. So let's talk about the municipal rundown because, you know, we talked about some election stuff at the top, but there's a couple other things we wanted to cover. I'm not happy to have to cover this because there have been a couple races where um, garbage people have done garbage stuff, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. So my ward, Odeyman, is uh, one of those uh, wards where we've unfortunately had some uh, examples of racism. So Adrian Bruff is the candidate here. He's been experiencing hatred, racism, like over the last year, he said, constantly getting harassing vitriolic messages online and you know, obviously being called bad names when he's uh, door knocking as well. Just awful stuff. Like you don't want to hear that. But at the same time, you're kind of like, I know this is the world we live in. Thankfully, a number of the other candidates in the ward came together and signed a, a statement, you know, standing against these racist remarks and th any sort of threats issued against him. So uh, there was a four of the candidates that all signed something basically saying that racism has no place in our society and elections should focus on the issue. So that was nice to see. And, you know, uh, nice to see, but not nice to see in the same vein in my ward, Papasteo, uh, Harun Ali, who's a very young candidate. I believe he's only 18 now, but he's a young black kid. He's running for council and 
just like Adrian Bruff, the racism he's experienced uh, door to door and in online and uh, newly to his personal phone number. Not great um, is a very light way of putting it. It's very condemnable and condemned it was. Uh, every Papasteo candidate signed a similar letter saying we condemn this. Uh, Haroon should be able to campaign as any of us should. And we stand firmly against racism. And they all signed it, which is a good show of solidarity in a race. And hopefully this does something. Um, I'm not optimistic that it will reach those people who say those vitriolic things on the phone or on the internet. But hopefully when enough of us band together and say, stop, people will stop. And what it communicates is, if you don't like that person, you're not going to find a candidate in any of the others because they don't stand for that either, right? They're unified there. Uh, it's not like one of them is okay with the racism happening and therefore you should vote for them. So uh, I'm glad to see that they all signed that. At the mayoral forum tonight, so he communicated the same thing. He's said that there was no room for hate in Edmonton, but you know himself being a person of color as he's campaigning, he said he's heard a lot of hurtful and racist things. He's been called a convicted terrorist uh, when he tries to campaign at the doors. It's not a great look for Edmonton, um, and we could really use some better looks right now. One other interesting thing that came out this week was candidate Ashley Salvador in Métis. Uh, she released her donors quite in advance of the election, and it's hard to keep track of all of these things, but to my recollection, she's the first major candidate to release a list of her donors, I think. I, th I think so. I mean, we correct us if you know of another candidate who has. Uh, we've asked the candidates about this on the Taproot survey, and a majority of them say that these should be released before the election. Uh, but none of them have done it yet. And as you pointed out, there's a difference between releasing your donors you know, now and updating in an ongoing way and releasing them you know, October 16th, which is a couple of days before the election, but after all the advance voting is done and probably people aren't going to see it at that point, right? Um, so, you know, good on you, Ashley, for doing it early. So this brought me down a bit of a rabbit hole because I was searching to find other candidates who had released their uh, donor numbers. And I thought, you know, culturally, if someone had a lot of donors and was going to do this, Aaron Paquette from Ward Dene, he seems like the type of person that would do this. So I went to his website. And Mac, do you think he had his donors posted? I'm guessing no, but he probably had lots of other useful information on there. Aaron Paquette doesn't have a platform. Now, this, this threw me for a loop. So I go to his campaign site, and this is a guy who, trying to get him to shut up on Twitter about policy, <laughs> is Sisyphus's task. I It's unsolvable. You can't do it. And yet you go to his campaign website and click platform and it's just a link to hashtag. It's an anchor link. There's nothing there. There's no platform to be found. There's no donor list to be found. There's nothing other than a donation form right on the center. And like you pointed this out as well. There was effort put into this site. Like they've got a nice photoshopped image of Aaron Paquette. He's staring off into the distance. It's got a nice little graphic design. But then it's got like this janky UI nav bar where some of the colors don't line up. Things don't work. The colors are slightly different. What's going on over in Dene, Mac? 
I guess this has to be an under construction website. I mean, he has request a sign that also goes nowhere and does nothing. So you can't get a sign. Uh, the thing that caught my eye about this is like this weird attention to detail. Someone took the time to make a fave icon. So these are the little square icons that get put in your bookmarks or your favorites and show up in your tabs and that kind of stuff. And it's AP4D and it's got his colors. Like someone made that and chose not to put anything else on the website. There's always the part that questions with this. Like, is this a person who is trying to run without a platform because, you know, he's hiding things and he's saying whatever he wants at the door? Which I'd say probably not because, again, the aforementioned getting him to shut up is impossible. (laughs) Uh, Counselors on the previous term can attest to that, I'm sure. And, you know, he's got a very public record. But it definitely did throw me for a loop that just, like... For someone who's who's championed transparency and openness, put up a platform, Aaron. Come on. Prove us wrong. Release your actual website. Come on. It's like nominations are done now. Get on with it. Well, we've gone a little bit over time, but you know what? We, we do the hard work. It's election time. We got to get this out off our plates. And, you know, as we were doing this episode, Mac, there was something that was building inside me and... I kind of, I'm going to use this time and I'm just going to get it out. Are you okay? Can I just have a moment to get this out? I think that's going to be better for all of us, Troy. Get it out. Okay. I love Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. They offer internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rate, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming. Ned Stark said it. Energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for you, our dear listener, to go look at their utility bills and ensure that you're on the best possible plan. Albertans have a choice of who they pay their utility bills to. That's a preposition at the end. Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligations comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy. And you can feel good knowing that you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your local utilities bill. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. Whew, feels good to get that off my chest. You feel better? I. That's not where I thought you were going with it, but I'm glad you got it out. <laughs> You can get this kind of sponsor integration by, I don't know, talking to someone from the network. I don't do the business stuff. I'm just the talent. Go check out Alberta Podcast Network and uh, they'll hook you up for sure. So, Mac, there is just a couple of weeks left for the election. Um, What's your prediction? What's election turnout going to be on October 18th? Well, let's hope it's better than the federal turnout. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a record turnout or anything like that. Uh, Usually when you have an open mayoral race, turnout goes up, right? More people are interested. But I have to say, it doesn't feel like, you know, uh, back in the day when you had, you know, Mandela versus Dorward or any of those kinds of races where you have like two clear runners. Uh, I'm actually kind of worried that we're going to end up with, you know, five people that all equal, you know, have roughly equal amounts of votes. So hopefully that's not the case. But in terms of turnout, I hope it's just better than what we saw for the federal election. And I hope that for our listeners, turnout for our subsequent episodes are high. You can do that by subscribing in your podcast application and telling all your friends to do it. And even just like going on your mom's phone, opening up the podcast app, subscribing, she'll get the notifications. She'll say, what is this? And you say, just click it, mom. And she'll listen and her day will be made better. That's the taproot guarantee. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.